When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome back to the podcast. This is High Speed Stuff. I'm Ben, and I'm here with Scott. Scott, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm always fine. Oh, that's awesome, Good. man. That's that's what I like about yep. you. Your, your sort of tenacious <laughs> optimism, you know? I am optimistic. Yeah, yeah, you are optimistic, and um, you know, I, I hope it's rubbing off on me some. But one one thing I also noticed about you is, uh, you know, my friend, you're a little bit competitive. Uh, you think so? I, well, I, I kind of see it in you. You know, not with not with me. I'm more competitive than you. Uh, sure. I bet I am. <laughs> no, I just, just yeah, got yeah, that. Okay, yeah. Um, but speaking of competitions, mm-hmm. Q Segway. Yeah. <laughs> we talked uh, a little bit earlier in, in an earlier podcast about a very competitive race mm. yep. that some went so far as to call a great race. You remember this one? I do. Word on the street is this this topic is, is interesting enough that it deserves a closer look. Oh, for sure it does. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a longer look. Yeah, uh, a much longer look. We'll, we'll yeah. dedicate the whole podcast to it today. You know what? Yeah. You know what? I... <laughs> <laughs> I am on your team. All right. Let's do it. Whole All right. podcast. So, well, if, if I'll catch you up to speed, basically, yeah, yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Please, you, you know some about this as well, so interject when you have a chance. But the Great Race of 1908. Yes. So we're talking a long time ago, 101 years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. The, the race went from New York to Paris. 22,000 miles, and it took uh, the competitors at the end, it was six months overall. Not not everyone took six months to finish, but six months was the final yeah. uh, final person com- crossing the line. Went across three continents. Uh, just an amazing, unbelievable, uh, I guess, feat of, um, of mankind, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, man and machine, really. It was, a, it was an ultimate test at that time because uh, there weren't roads in most cases. I mean, where there were roads, there were extremely poor roads. The, the weather conditions they dealt with, um, you know what cars look like in 1908. Mm-hmm. Um, they, weren't, they weren't what we're talking about now. We didn't, they didn't have climate control. You know, inter- right. they weren't. They didn't even have sealed interiors, really. A lot of these cars that that competed in this race didn't even have windshields. You know, they had the the giant lamps on the front, you know, to light the way. They were they were huge cars. If you ever seen the uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? Yes. 
And you remember the the car that you know they're riding into into town on uh, uh-huh. with Granny in the back, you know, on yeah. the rocket chair. That's a, a little extreme, but you know that's the type of car we're talking about here with those big wagon wheel mm-hmm. uh, tires. You know, they had rubber tires, of course, but they had yep. wooden spokes. They were they were giant cars, and yeah. to cross to even think about even crossing the U.S. at the time was unheard of. I mean, they just really didn't. You just really didn't do something like that. And mm-hmm. now we're talking about driving from New York all the way to Paris. Via San Francisco, Siberia, and uh, what else? Oh, man, they went through, let's see, they ended up going across Japan. That was kind of a, an, an error. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little okay. bit. But um, they didn't really intend to go there, but they did. <laughs> I, sounds funny, but you ended up in Japan and drove across it. Uh, they went all ac- completely across Siberia. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can imagine is treacherous and most dangerous. Most people just, don't want to do that today. No, not even now. And uh, I mean, it's just extreme hardship. Um, went through Berlin and ended up in Paris. Mm-hmm. It was it was really, really, like I said, just a, an, I guess you can call it an epic test. Mm-hmm. Something that people couldn't even imagine doing something like this. Then, even now, it would be, it'd be rough. We've mentioned a couple of the challenges that mm-hmm. they faced, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, lack of lack of roads, right? Yeah. The cars at the time, at least the cars in this competition, uh, left them pretty much at the mercy of the weather. Oh, yeah, for sure. They yeah. And the thing is, I mean, the, the race started in a blizzard. It started in, in New York in a blizzard. The worst oh. storm of 1908, I think is what they called it. Really? And so there was one team, a French team, mm. that only made it 44 miles. And we're talking out of a 22,000-mile race. One of the French teams only made it 44 miles. That's not very far That's at all. That's not very far at all. But when you consider that the other teams, it took them, I think it was 13 days just to get to Chicago from New York. And normally that trip should have taken them four days, I think they said, under you know the right conditions at the time. Mm. Now, you can drive from New York to Chicago today in one day. Right. Um, that's easy. But, they, again, they didn't have that, that uh, road system that we have now. And so when they leave in the snowstorm, and, you know, they maybe have a three-man team. One guy's driving the car. The other two are out in front with snow shovels shoveling a pathway for this car from, you know, baseball from New York to, to Chicago. Wow. Not, not the entire way, of course, sure. but where they had to, they had to get out and clear drifts out of the way and, and allow that passage. Uh, so it's, it's an unbelievable trip, and if you read about this th- this race, you'll understand what I'm saying. That you know everything was hard, nothing was easy at all. I mean, everything was difficult. So when you look at you know some of the challenges they faced, it wasn't just you know that there were no roads or poor roads. Of course, there's no there's no snow plows. You know, mm-hmm. cars are pretty new at this time. Uh, they're I think they're 10 or 12 years old at the most. I mean, you, you know, if the first car was developed in 1896, I think mm-hmm. it was. This is 1908. I mean, how how much further do you think they had you know come from that? that quite a bit, but um, you know, by no means like what we have right now. Not yeah. not yeah. even close. I mean, look back at the cars from 1908, and you'll see what I mean. Um, other challenges that they had were a lot of these areas didn't even have maps. You know, they just didn't exist. So you know, you get out in certain desolate regions where you know, uh-huh. there's no map. So how do they know where to go? Well, they, they were using compasses and um, you know navigation devices like you'd find on ships. Probably asking people. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're navigating at night using stars, and um, it was really that's wild, unbelievable. Now, when when they got further in the race, you know, they go to other continents. Th- there were language barriers. They couldn't uh, mm-hmm. you know describe what they're trying to get to. You know, the next town they're trying to get to or mm-hmm. how to get there. That was tough. One and one other thing, uh, no gas stations. Um, if you consider it, really, I mean, major cities would have gas stations. That's for sure, because you know the, the car was around. It wasn't you know mm-hmm. everywhere. It wasn't widespread. A lot of these cars, they had they had enormous gas tanks. Um, and 
talking like maybe two, three, four, five, even six tanks that carry that would carry fuel. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these cars carried as much as 200 gallons of fuel with them, um, which is enormous. I mean, yeah. my car, I think, has 11 or 12 gallons. Yeah, most cars have like an <laughs> 8 I, to 14 ta- gallon tank, right? Yeah, that's something it. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so that's unbelievable that, you know, they would they, they were special made, of course, for this race, you know, that mm. they would they would carry, you know, 175 gallons in this one tank and then 50 in another or whatever it would be. I guess they prepared for it as much mm. as they could. And when the race, the, the word of the race got out that, you know, this is going to happen, I think it was the Standard Oil Company said that they would provide fuel along the way. They'd make sure the competitors were able to get fuel. And oh. if they if they did run out, they would send somebody to take care of the situation. Oh, you know, that's that it would cool. be It would be taken care of. And that... That type of thing happened a lot where, you know, they would maybe break down and, day, you know, it take days for them to repair these cars. You know, like maybe the gears would be stripped in the, in the transmission and uh, oh. they're stuck in the mud, you know, somewhere in, uh, you know, the just the middle of the United States somewhere, you know, I don't know, axle deep in mud with no transmission. And what do you do? I mean, you walk yeah. to the nearest town, you telegraph to get, you know, the parts sent <laughs> to you, and then you come back and you make the repair in the mud and then carry on. See, that's that's one thing that, that I heard. Uh, I heard that the mud at times in, in both Siberia and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. was worse than the snow. Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. And, I mean, that makes sense. And they said that – I think there was even one point uh, where they said that, you know, it took – I think, hang on, what was it? It was oh, uh, the four days. Right? Yeah, that's right. You yeah. know what I'm going to go for here. Yeah, so yeah. go ahead. What was it? It was. Uh, it... I think now. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think they made it 60 miles across the span of four days in just this this mud filled. I don't know what would you call it? A quagmire, I guess, is what it really is. Yeah, that's right. That was in that was in Siberia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So here they are, you know, crossing, <laughs> crossing Siberia, which, you know, that's almost like a, like a joke. You know, you'd be banished yeah. to Siberia. You know, that's where they yeah. would send you. Desolate. You just cold. It was cold, extremely cold. But they said that the mud was the worst thing mm-hmm. about that that part of the trip. I mean, it was just horrible. Can you imagine going, you know, spending four days and, and just having to continually pull your enormous car out of a out of mud? Yeah. I, be, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think there's a point where, you know, they're hooking up um, – you know, ropes to themselves and trying to pull it out using their own bodies and, mm-hmm. you know, just really difficult. Just I mean, pushing with yeah, power. I, I don't know how they carried on really at certain yeah. points. I'm running down this list of challenges and, and I'll tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't get any better because, um, you know, there's mud and there's cold and there's health concerns, you know, because sure. they're, they're yeah. traveling out, you know, I mean, just expose the elements these guys mm-hmm. were, all of them. There was also the, the potential of theft and sabotage. I mm-hmm. mean, I, whether that's, you know, plants along the way, you know, we'll never know, you know, that if there was any kind of conspiracy going on there that, you know, people were stealing other other team supplies or um, maybe not, you know, the racers themselves, but maybe they had somebody sure. working with them. I, I don't know. That's a little. Sure. That's, that's, you know, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but, you know, it could have just been someone looking for, you know, whatever happened to come their way, you know, just. But it did happen. It did, yeah. In fact, um, I guess there was a uh, one of the French teams before they started the race. Uh, I, I mentioned sabotage. They had to watch out for that. Someone threw a handful of bolts into their transmission case prior to the race, and that would have no doubt destroyed oh. the transmission in that car. What a but jerk! The uh, the mechanic, for whatever reason, I don't I don't know why he was uh, cautious enough or. Um, I don't know, um, weary enough that he mm-hmm. <laughs> that he uh, he was able to uh, you know determine that he something wasn't right and he checked it out and found all these bolts just laying in there that you know clearly had just been 
thrown in by somebody hoping to uh, to, to ruin their chances. Man, so sa- sabotage. Yeah, it. and they also had to they also had to uh, worry about spare parts, which you just mentioned. You know that you know parts were days away. They weren't. Um, you know, it's not like you could pull into you know the nearest mm. repair shop and, and get it taken care of. A lot of these towns, they had never even seen a car uh, mm. when they entered. It was a, it was you know this unbelievable thing to have a car come into your town so you know it's a, it a big event of course when you break down you're not always in a town either you can maybe right. maybe you can limp to a town but um yeah then you'd have to telegraph for the proper sure. part to be sent and then make the repair yourself right um, so that, they, they were in places that were absolutely cut off too that's right yeah i mean so you know it may be a day's walk or two days walk to the nearest town where you can you can even contact somebody mm-hmm. to come and help you and then you know find mm-hmm. your way back etc it was just a rough time um, one other thing they had to worry about were, um, or was, uh, wildlife. There were wildlife, as yeah, in wolves and bears, mm-hmm. tigers, 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 Siberian tigers. Oh, not the uh, Nebraskan variety. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. They had, um, they really? had a lot of tr- Yeah, that's right. Uh, so they had a lot to worry about. I mean, making camp, and uh, you got to worry about all this going on. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It had to be during camp because normally a wild animal, especially any kind of mammal, would be very, very hesitant to go close to anything that sounded like a car, mm-hmm. right? I would think so, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, when it's it's not moving and they're broken down, that's another mm-hmm. case, you know, another story. Um, one other thing that they had to worry about, and this kind of concludes my list of challenges. I mean, there were untold challenges. This sure. is just my list here, but um, bandits. Bandits. Yeah, this is an odd thing to think about, but not only would they want to steal, you know, what, the supplies that they had, you know, sure. they were carrying whatever they had for whatever reason they would be valuable to somebody. That I don't know why. One thing that they were uh, concerned about were, uh, or was the perception that these were wealthy individuals making this race. You know, that they, you know, here they come in their shiny cars. Well, they're yeah. not so shiny anymore, but yeah. here, here are these wealthy guys on this uh, in this great car race that's going across the U.S. and it's well publicized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so towns were keeping up with. Who was in the lead in this in this whole t- during this whole time? The fact that it was well publicized, they knew where they were at all times, and uh, th- there was worry that they were going to actually be kidnapped and held for ransom. Um, mm-hmm. So th- mm-hmm. there were concerns like that along the way too. So these guys had it rough, you know, all around. Well, let's let's take a, a closer look at at these guys. Who who were these teams? You said there were uh, six teams, right? Yeah, that's right. There are six yeah. teams. There were three teams. Um, Again, they kind of represent the the world, really, at the time, the motoring world, anyways. Okay. Um, there were three entries from France. Uh, there was one entry from Italy, uh-huh. one entry from Germany, and then one entry from the United States. And that was our own uh, Captain George uh, Schuster, right? That's right, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he was our driver. And uh, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of what happened with the French team. The French teams didn't even finish. None Not, of them. None of them did. One of, oh. the, one of them, like I said, 44 miles yeah. into the... Uh, into the quest there, they they gave up after they ran into a snowbank. I think it was uh-huh. the other, you know, uh, the other did not finish teams. I guess for France, um, one went as far as uh, Carroll, Iowa, and it broke down. That was like I think it was a twelve hundred miles. Okay. Another one was withdrawn by the manufacturer when it was crossing Japan. Withdrawn um, by the manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. I guess they were just having too many problems. I guess okay. parts and et cetera. I'm not exactly sure the details surrounding that. Yeah. The Italian team, which eventually in this race finished third. Okay. It took them the longest to finish this race, and that's the reason the race lasted six months. <laughs> they didn't. They okay. didn't finish until September 17th that of that year. From February to September, then. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, September 17th was the date that they finally arrived uh-huh. in Paris. Again, just to finish, un- unbelievable. That's exactly that what I was going to yeah. say. The German team, something interesting about the German team, they actually crossed the line first in Paris. They actually came in first place. However, 
they were penalized. And I've got two conflicting reports here, 15 days or 30 days. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure because of um, they actually packed the train up and put it on a train and took it to, um, let's see, they, they took a train from Ogden, Utah to Seattle at one point um, oh. and then had it repaired and then shipped it from there to, or actually Ogden to Seattle and then had it shipped and then it was repaired overseas. So they they suffered a penalty because of this, you know, because they weren't actually driving, so they had like a 15-day penalty for this. Yeah. There were there was a lot of this going on, you know, that there's you know, there's a penalty for this and it's this many days. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of absurd to think about now, you know, this, with the speed that we run our races, you right. know, they have a 15-day penalty, but um for whatever reason that was the the amount that they determined it should be. Then there's the United States team. Uh, well, wait, so the Germans came oh, in second then? Yeah, they, they okay. actually came in second. They were first across the line in Paris, mm-hmm. and they actually they they won the, the race, if you if you look at it, between uh, when they landed, I think it was in Russia, and mm-hmm. they, they crossed uh, all the way to Paris. They won that stage of the race. However, in the United States, they didn't actually drive the entire way across the United States. They, that, they they ended in Utah and then had it shipped on a on a train. Yeah, and you know that's that's the reason for the penalty. They didn't they didn't really complete the entire race. So that came back to haunt them. Yeah, that did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they they finished four days ahead of time, but with a penalty, they were yeah. they were second place. The Thomas Flyer pulled in four days later and uh, was the actual the true victor of the race and they and they completed the whole thing they they truly did drive mm-hmm. the entire time the entire way let's be fair to italy france and germany this mm-hmm. was almost as much due to luck as it is to skill uh, you know what um it's both i mean it's a lot of skill yeah but definitely. yeah a, a great deal of that is luck of course yeah, i mean the, you're one tiger and one bandit away <laughs> that's right. yeah. from being an abandoned that's right. car yeah. and along the way you know it's something else interesting what's that they they attended a lot of banquets and mm-hmm. um, you know town functions you know like they pull into town it'd be, almost be like a fair you know they'd be like um, uh, people lining the streets and just excited to see them and excited to, to see the car and you know want to go for a ride in the car and you know they were invited to banquets to dine with uh, you know government officials and it was oh, it was cool. a big deal this was really a big deal and and um, I think I read somewhere that it was also the first race where there were embedded reporters. <laughs> so there were reporters along the way that were, you know, keeping up with this and, and you know, sending back headlines for, for uh, the New York Times. And uh, mm-hmm. I think there was also a Paris paper involved in this, too. You, you know what? That's a, that's a really good point. And maybe we should, we should emphasize that, that point again, uh, that the world was literally watching. I think there were, there were around 250,000 people when, it, when these uh, vehicles took off. That, that's just in Times Square. Just in Times just Square. Just in Times yeah. Square. That's the people that showed up to see the race start. When they Not fired. the people lining the road no, as they drove off. Or the, yeah, that's right. That, yeah. that was even greater. So, um, the, so the, the entire globe was paying close attention to this. Mm-hmm. Also, I think, I think it was you, Scott, who told me that when the American team, against a lot of, a lot of very, uh, very high stakes and mm-hmm. against a lot of difficult uh, odds, they, when they actually won, they met the president. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah, they came back. Uh, when, they, when they came back, um, now they're already back in the States celebrating before uh, the Italian sure, team. Sure, attending even, state fairs. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, before the, before the um, Italian team even finished the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Italian team is still racing at this point. They're, they, they're going to finish on September 17th of that year. Mm-hmm. August 20th, I believe, is the day that they returned um, to the United States. And they had a ticker tape parade, and uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt invited them to come to uh, – 
his home. I think it was in Long Island. Actually, mm-hmm. it was uh, like a, what they called the Summer White House in Long Island. Oyster yeah. is it Oyster Bay? Is that right? Uh, something so. like that. Yes. Yeah, um, from what I've heard, he, he was fond of people that did things. That was what he said. He said, "I, I like people that do things. Mm, I want okay. uh, you know, take action. You know, do something." And uh, these guys definitely had done something like that. So he was impressed by them, and he wanted them to bring the car, which they did. And I uh, inspected that, you know, kind of checked things out. One thing that he asked them is where they encountered the worst roads, or they told him where they encountered the worst roads, and they said that it was in the United States, <laughs> believe it or not. So, okay. Um, now, in some places, to be fair, other places didn't even have roads. Right. But they said that the worst roads were in the United States. And he did take note of that, and actually there were some federal federal money that he freed up to uh, improve the roadways in the United States. And there were a lot of programs after that, you know, just local areas, mm-hmm. you know, states, et cetera, you know, cities that would um, kind of push for the uh, the move for better roads because, yeah, the cars were around to stay, I guess, at that point. Wow. That, this kind of proved that cars were a reasonable replacement for the horse, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, sure, that it was worthwhile. I mean, not that, it, you know, it replaced what they could do and, you know, or exactly replaced what they mm-hmm. could do, but, um, you know, that it's not a passing fad that, you know, these cars are going to be around for a while. Yeah. Speaking of being around for a while, I guess this might be a good thing for us to uh, to touch on before before we close here. Mm-hmm. When I had read that uh, George, uh, and I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, George Schuster. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Okay. You know, he still had his driver's license into his 90s. <laughs> Very good. Good for him. You know, well, I would right. feel like if I almost yeah. circumnavigated the globe. Sure, rightfully so. He could still drive when yeah. he's 90, I bet. He's well, probably the best driver ever. Check this out, Scott. Have I got some news for you? All right. You obviously, you really like the the, the great race. You know, I do. I it's do. It's a passion point in history for you. It might not be too late for you to participate in the next great race. Oh, uh, what? What? The next great race. The next which great is, race. Uh huh. Which you almost missed it. I wasn't going to bring it up. You almost missed it because it was originally going to be on May thirtieth, two thousand eight. The the centennial, right? Oh, okay. But because of some problems getting some visas. Uh, in China due to uh, some stuff with the Olympics in Tibet. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to put it off until, let me make sure I get this right, April 25th, 2009. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, I know know you've got a lot of stuff going on being the (laughs) auto editor. You know, so this is this is 101 years later. Yes, that that they're going to run this race. Yes, yes, it's going to be a dramatically different race, isn't it? What kind of? Did, I mean, I may be uh, catching you flat-footed here, no, but no. what uh, do, you, do you know? What kind of vehicles they're going to allow, or do they have to be um, uh, a certain vintage, or they? You know what? That's a that's a good point. I had. It's okay if you don't. Uh, I'm just catching you know, you I don't there. have. No, no, no. <laughs> it's fine. I don't. I don't have the details exactly. Hmm. So probably what you'd be better off doing hmm. is to join an American team or one of the American teams mm-hmm. instead of just starting off in your own car, which probably good you maybe because you, you don't want to be penalized at the end of it. You <laughs> 15 know? days. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how many days you know, they'll take You know, away. it's funny when you say this, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, but yeah. even now, okay, I've got a, what I consider to be a pretty reliable car. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know about taking off on a, uh, you know, around-the-world trip or this, you know, mm. um, New York to Paris trip. Even in the com- relatively comfortable car that I own, mm-hmm. with you know, I, I know that it's pretty reliable. I know that it, it would make it. I know we have roads the entire way now. Sure. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how these guys even had the, the the courage to take off on you know on that day in 1908. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how they did it. I mean, I really don't because I I can't even imagine doing it now. I think it's it's an amazing undertaking. Yeah. Well, really you know is. what? I I agree with you, Scott. Uh here's to them. Uh listeners oh, probably cheers. can't see it, but we're going to toast to cheers. them to 
because everybody raced in the great race in in some way uh was a part of this magnificent feat you know whether or not they met the finish line Mm. yeah it was uh it was definitely a a sense of national pride i guess when they when Mm -hmm. they won um you know and and likewise around the world they were all cheering for their own country Mm -hmm. of course and uh france they didn't do so well unfortunately but um you know Everybody was still proud of their entrance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, just just to make it, I don't know, even halfway across the United States at the time was unbelievable. And and there's a whole nother race in, in just a few months. Yeah, that's right. And, another, another shot at it. Yeah, and you know what? This is the point where we tell our listeners, if you feel like participating in the great race, but think maybe you need to learn a little bit more about automobiles first, why not swing by the auto channel on HowStuffWorks.com? For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.